daughter makes a totally different kind of mistake. But I can't marry Bradley Ainsworth, Mama, I said. It was the morning after graduation. She was adjusting the blinds, trying to shut out all the light, which I knew was a sign that one of her sick headaches was coming on. He's a good person, but I just don't love him. She hesitated for such a long time that I knew she was thinking I had completely missed the point. Then she said, Laura, honey, just tell me this. Have you really tried to love him? I've tried real hard, I said, which was more or less true. I know Bradley's the answer to everything I need, but I can't make myself feel what I don't. She sighed. It was the sigh of a woman who'd spent a lifetime praying over secondhand toilets. Well, she said, drop in the last blind so that the room sank into total darkness. There's always a chance that someday you'll change your mind. The human heart is a mysterious thing. I nodded and said, yes, ma'am. But what she didn't know is that I already had a bus ticket in my pocketbook, along with an ad ripped from the back pages of Billboard magazine. So let Mama talk all she wanted about compromise and sensible choices, and what a bird in the hand was worth. I figured that in three days' time, I'd be in Graceland. The bus trip to Memphis was hell. Felt like it lasted forever. Like North Carolina alone was long and flat enough to kill a girl. Like every worthless man in America was waiting for me in every station where I'd get out to stretch my legs all of them asking me what my name was and where I was going. I arrived in Memphis sweaty and tired, smelling like cigarettes. So I spent half the money in my pocketbook at the YWCA, just so I could take a shower. And then I put on my only clean dress and walked 18 blocks to the audition. A man named Fred listened to a bunch of us sing, one after the other, in the back room of a diner the sort of place where a Rotary or Kiwanis club meets. I sang the best I could, hit every note on my run, but Fred gave nothing away with his face. In fact, he kept the same sour expression the whole time, whether a girl was good or she was bad. But at the end of the day, he picked five of us to, as he said, await Elvis's final approval. He called my name first. Then he said that Elvis was gone somewhere. I got the impression Elvis was almost always gone somewhere. But all that mattered was that Fred furthermore said they were going to move the five of us into Graceland until he got back. We squealed and hollered, put our arms around one another and jumped in a circle. This must have broken the hearts of the girls who weren't chosen, I guess like that little room in a Memphis diner was cheerleading and homecoming court all over again. But in the moment, I couldn't stop to think about the others. I could only think that I was right on the cusp of getting everything I wanted. I may have started the day in a Greyhound bus station, but I was going to end it at Graceland. It was early summer, that season of endless days, and for the whole next week, we had the run of the place. 
We could swim and race the golf carts and try on the tour costumes with their fringe and beading, modeling them for one another, walking up and down the diving board of the pool like it was a Paris runway. The cook would fix us whatever we wanted, day or night, and what we wanted was mostly cakes and donuts. In some ways, it was like the best sleepover a girl could imagine. But in another way, Graceland was a trap. We'd cheered when they'd driven us through the front gate. It had been glamorous, with musical notes woven between the gold-plated bars, and you almost expected to see St. Peter himself standing guard. But when that gate clanged shut, I'd shuddered. I knew the sound from those times I'd done prison ministry with my daddy. He was always dragging me to some god-awful place to sing, trying to give hope to the hopeless, as he said it. And so maybe-